Awesome. So, um, yeah, we're going to have some teaching now, have a go through the message, and then going to respond together with communion. Um, yeah, after that, so if, if you do have anything, uh, yeah, after, after this message, we'll, we'll do that soon. Um, but yeah, we are finishing today this series, uh, Devoted Followers of Jesus, that uh, we started at the start of the month. And um, yeah, we're going, going through these practices that the early church devoted themselves to, just based out of Acts yeah, 42, um, and then up to verse 47 as well, this, this real yeah, key passage that really highlights what the church focused on and then how God grew them through that and was at work through that. Um, so yeah, I've been looking at each of those. If you missed any, I encourage you to go back. Uh, started with the apostles' teaching and then um, fellowship last week on breaking of bread together, and this week finishing with prayer. And it's interesting because uh, those others, it's kind of the first time I think that they're mentioned in, in Acts, uh, being devoted to those things, but this is actually not the first time that it's mentioned that the uh, believers in the early church were devoted to prayer. It's actually the second time. Uh, the first time that's mentioned is actually right in Acts chapter 1. Uh, just after Jesus ascends to heaven, he tells them to wait for the Spirit to come at Pentecost. Well, they don't necessarily know, but he tells them to, to wait. And then um, we see in Acts 1, 12 to 13, they, and they return to Jerusalem uh, from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas, the son of James, all of them together, it says, all of these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. So in Acts 1, it's actually the first thing that they do after Jesus ascends and says to wait, they go to the upper room and it says they devote themselves to prayer while they're waiting. They're, they're waiting for this uh, promise that Jesus has said. In the meantime, while they're waiting, they're devoted to prayer in that transition moment. So we see that the early church was actually first devoted to prayer while they were waiting and watching. Like they didn't just sit around doing nothing, even though Jesus told them to wait. They were told to wait, and therefore they prayed, and they prayed expectantly, ready and waiting for God to move. Um, we've sort of talked about this before, that yeah, Jesus uh, defeats death and risen from the grave, and he sends the disciples, but remember, he doesn't send them by themselves. It's not about them doing it without him now. They can't do anything without him, so they're told to wait, and in the waiting, they're told to pray and seek God's power, because this is not, the church is not a human movement or that's based on human strategies or organizational tactics. It's something God is doing, so they need God's power and God's presence that comes through prayer. We see this um, sort of posture being devoted and being watching and expectant as well. Paul talks about that in Colossians. He says in Colossians 4.2, devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. Uh, Eugene Peterson, in the message translation, the same verse, he says, pray diligently, stay alert with your eyes wide open in gratitude. So it's this idea of we're called to be devoted to prayer. The early church was devoted to prayer, but not just because it's something that we should do, not just because it's a, a religious practice, but because it actually connects us to God and heaven, and God actually responds. So when we pray, there's a need to pray in a way that we are awake and watching 
and actually expecting that he hears and he will actually move based on our prayers. Um, and I think maybe sometimes we can just too easily uh, maybe think that prayer is just for us and prayer just changes us, which is true. But God actually wants us to ask him for things and he actually responds when we ask. He, he calls us to ask and we're not to ask thinking, oh, maybe he will, maybe he won't, like as in he's not really interested. He, we're called to ask as in he's a father who wants to give good things to those who ask. So as we go through today, um, obviously today's about being devoted to prayer as a church. I just want to bring some kind of practical tools and ways to help us pray. Um, and one, based on these verses, is just that posture of when we come to pray, asking God, but then not just forgetting, but then having a posture of watching and expecting that he will listen and respond. It may not be exactly the way that we asked or want, but that he will respond or he is working. And then when he does, or when we see his, his, how he speaks or how he works or what he is doing in the midst of that, we then thank him and praise him. And it's this posture of asking, watching, and then thanking. So I was thinking too often, I pray for something, but don't really watch for an answer or don't necessarily even really expect an answer. It can be easy just to throw prayers up and sort of just have a bit of a, oh, well, who knows what will happen kind of approach, rather than actually asking and, and then watching and recognizing that God hears. Um, even happened to me the other day. Um, it was just a, a moment of, I went on a, a run and, and asked God uh, to speak to me during the run and kind of didn't really expect much, but then he did, and, and in, in a way that was more profound than I had expected. And often he does do things bigger than we expect, and, and sometimes when it doesn't look like what we think, it's not because he's not good, it's because sometimes he's doing things in a deeper way and a, a bigger way. And what does it look like to actually pray and then expect him to respond or expect that he's working in great ways and, and to watch for it? And this is what the early church are doing. They're, they're praying while they're waiting, but they're actually watching and waiting because Jesus has made a promise that the Spirit's going to come. And then the Spirit does come. Um, we know the story of, of Pentecost and the power that's present and the transformation that's present. And then Peter starts to preach. And as he's preaching, um, all these uh, many people come to, to believe and come to faith. And the church just grows. So it's this totally shift now. They've been in this upper room just waiting and praying. And then God responds. And now there's this total transformation and all these people added, and all this activity. And then we come to the verse that we're sort of focused on, um, this series, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And basically, it's just an interesting point that they, they were devoted before the Spirit moved, now God comes and moves, there's all this activity, there's all this work, but they still devote themselves to prayer. Now they're working, now there's all this activity, now there's all these things that are happening, but they realize that they must stay rooted to God through prayer and worship. It says that they were devoted to prayer, but then also later in that passage it talks about them praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. So it's this posture of prayer and praise, work and worship united. So the early church was also devoted to prayer while working and worshiping. In some ways, I think this might have even been a bit harder, right? Like before 
before the Spirit came, they're just waiting in the room. Might as well pray. There's not much to do. Uh, but now, all this stuff's happening. All this exciting thing's happening. There's all this work to do. There's all these new believers to work with. Maybe it, it could actually be hard and maybe even tempting to think, okay, good, we've got, got, we've got God's presence. God came. We can just get on with the job now. There's so much to do. But they said, no, we must stay devoted to prayer. We, while we are working, we must keep praying. And I think that can be maybe true for us as well. It's like when, when there's a lot to do, when we're busy at work, or maybe there's, there's just lots of things happening, or, or it seems like God's doing all this stuff. It's like, well, maybe we kind of too easily move on and think, oh, we prayed and then got answered, so now we're good, rather than actually, no, we must stay rooted, even when busy, even when working, which is difficult. Um, but there's one sort of tip and tool, I think, that could be helpful in this verse. It's kind of not that obvious. Um, but the, the verse we've been looking at, um, the actual more literal translation says that they devoted themselves to the prayers. Um, some translations say they devoted themselves to prayer, but in the Greek, it actually says that they devoted themselves to the prayers, um, which doesn't make a big difference, but it, it kind of is a hint that what the early church were doing was actually following a set structure and rhythm of prayer that they probably had from um, their Jewish um, upbringing and Jewish faith, that of going to the prayer, prayer at the temple at set times during the day, probably praying um, scriptures and, and, and Jewish prayers and Hebrew prayers. And what they decided to do was just to continue this hab habitual rhythm of prayer, which I think, especially in a really busy time, in a chaotic time, even though there's good stuff happening, to be grounded in a scheduled set rhythm of prayer actually helps this to stay devoted. I think it's interesting because often when we're really busy, we may not feel like there's time to pray. We may want to, but sort of think we don't have time, or we can pray when we get time, or maybe when things cool down. Um, and it's also, it's good to, to pray when there is time, but there's a deep need to stay devoted to prayer at all times. And one way to do that is to do what we always do. When, when something needs to be done, it actually needs to be prioritized and scheduled and set. Um, sometimes we don't really think of prayer as something that we should set and plan. It seems like something that should just be spontaneous, that makes it more authentic, and that's, that's true. We can pray spontaneously. But actually, one tool to help us to pray in this devoted way, even when busy, is to actually use set times and actually have planned prayers and actually structure and prioritize and schedule times of prayer. This is one sort of thing that I think most... Christians want to pray more and, and want to grow in it, but it's something that we just tend to not get around to. And it's actually the only way to prioritize it is to actually plan it and set it in the schedule. Um, this doesn't mean being rigid. This doesn't mean being legalistic. But it does mean that actually to be devoted requires intentionality and effort and planning and trial and error to see things and how they work. In a similar way, sometimes doing this with other people is easier. Um, simply setting to meet somebody and pray together makes it a lot easier. Um, it can be difficult, sadly, to schedule a meeting with God and not show up on time. But if we schedule a meeting with somebody else, we normally will try and get there and prioritize it. And it's kind of just that it's difficult and it's a challenge, but doing it together can be easier. Like everything, just growing in prayer is something that the only way to grow in it is to actually do it 
and to practice it and to learn and to try and to, um, to grow. It's interesting because I've, I've been feeling, um, particularly a few weeks ago at, towards the start of the year, just pretty overwhelmed at the start of the year, just very busy kind of looking at what is coming up and just feeling like it's a bit too much, just starting to freak out a little bit. And, but I'm feeling a lot better now and feeling a lot better since the last couple of weeks. And a couple of things shifted, but one, one thing that shifted was particularly coming in to speak on this and, and just realizing the need for God, um, just started scheduling and planning more intentional times of prayer and just actually just shift something, shifted something in my heart. So I'm still as busy or maybe even more, but it's just not as overwhelming being connected to God and recognizing that God's at work and He's faithful and He provides. Um, there's this quote by Martin Luther uh, that I've heard before, and it, it kind of seems like a bit of a joke, um, but I don't think he was joking. And, and I think there's really actually something to it. When Martin Luther was asked, uh, what's his plans for the day? Uh, he said this, work, work from early until late. In fact, I have so much work that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. And I kind of think that doesn't seem reasonable or realistic, but I think there's actually something to it. It's actually the more busy we are, it's not that we need to pray less, it's that we actually need to pray more. We need to be more connected to God in the busiest. Obviously, that's not necessarily possible to pray three hours. That's not what I'm doing. But obviously, he, even though he has so much to do, recognizes that because of that, there's a deep need for God and a deep need to be devoted in prayer. So there's this, the early church devoted to prayer while they're waiting for the Spirit to move, and then devoted to prayer while all this stuff's happening and there's all this work. They keep being devoted to prayer with a regular rhythm that grounds them. And then we see another time um, when they respond in prayer. Um, after Peter and John are threatened to stop preaching, there's this challenge that comes to this church that's growing and has favor, but then there, start, there starts to be threats and, and problems. And we see in Acts 4, uh, 23, it says, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. So there's, there's threats telling them to stop preaching. When they come and report it to the church, the first response of the church is to gather together and pray. And they pray um, in, in quite a powerful way. They don't um, pray in like a survival mode, like take away the problems, God. They actually pray in an offensive, like we're going to push forward with strength because of God. This is, I'm just going to read out their prayer because it's really powerful. Um, they prayed, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed. So they, they praise scripture back to God. And then they say, Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So they ask for the strength and power and boldness to keep pushing forward. 
Um, and then it says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Um, it's such a powerful story because, again, like things are going so well, but then there's this threat, and they don't respond by freaking out about the threat. They just pray, and then God touches them again, and then they just keep pushing forward. It's this devotion to prayer. We see that they're devoted to prayer even while wrestling and withstanding pressure. They face significant pressure um, to back down, and they're in this battle that's starting to intensify, but they took strength through praying and strength to actually stand and push forward. They actually took God's perspective, that he's on the throne, even though nations are raging against him, he's in control, he knew what would happen to Jesus, and he's present and working through the church. So they just said, well, let's keep going with God's power. So instead of freaking out, they stand strong through wrestling and withstanding in prayer. It's interesting because I think there, there could have been a temptation to be overwhelmed. That would be scary, to be threatened by the religious leaders like Jesus was. Um, but they took strength. I think there's times in our lives as well, maybe not exactly the same kind of threats, but, but just problems and issues and, and challenges that arise and can easily overwhelm. Um, at the moment, obviously, there's, there's floods around um, just through so much rain and, and when things just flood, the water just overwhelms and, and just covers an area completely. Um, and in some ways, it's like we, c- we can sometimes feel flooded um, in our lives and overwhelmed um, by issues and problems or actually literally like emotionally overwhelmed and not able to think straight. But when you're in a flood, um, you need to get to higher ground. You need to move out and get somewhere safe, which is up higher. And I think in a similar way, through prayer is the actual way to move spiritually to higher ground in the midst of difficulties and threats and challenges that overwhelm. When overwhelmed emotionally or emotionally flooded, when you can't think straight, when you're feeling afraid, the way to get to safety and higher ground is through responding in prayer. Uh, Often, uh, we don't do that, though. Uh, often we sort of use prayer as a last resort. If we can't think it out, if we can't plan it out, if we can't talk it out, maybe we should pray. But the early church, we see as soon as they heard this threat, their response was to pray, and they rose above it through Scripture and through prayer. They were in this higher ground, so they weren't overwhelmed, and they could push forward. So I think there's an interesting um, opportunity and response to again and again, seek to grow as people who can respond to our challenges and the, and the issues we face with prayer, rather than seeking to take them on first in our own strength and only go to God when it's too hard. So if we track the progress of the early church and, and their devotion to prayer, we see they're devoted to prayer while they're waiting um, for the Spirit to move. God moves by the Spirit at Pentecost, and then they're devoted to prayer while they're working and worshiping and all this stuff's happening. And then threats come and challenge them, and their response is to pray and to push forward. So continually, we see that everything is underpinned, and the foundation of all that is happening is in prayer. And it's true for us as well. And often we know it, but we forget it, that that prayer, our connection to God, is actually everything. It's actually the way to live. Williams um, said it this way, prayer was integral to the whole forward thrust of the church. And in Luke's eyes, at least, the vitality of the church was the measure of the reality of their prayers. This is because the growth of the church 
was not a result, again, of human planning or vision or staffing or priorities or values. It wasn't a result of human ingenuity and, and projects. It was a result of the power of God. God moving, God adding, God calling. And the way that the church stayed connected to the power of God was through prayer, through seeking Him. And that's still our responsibility, to seek to be a community that runs and operates by the power of God through being a community devoted to prayer. And I think this perspective is helpful because sometimes prayer is something that we just would like to do. It'd be nice to to pray more. It's sort of, it's on the to-do list. Or perhaps it's just something that makes us feel guilty, like we don't do enough, and then that makes us avoid it. And today is definitely not at all about making anyone feel guilty at all. Um, but I think it's helpful to actually see that for, for following Jesus individually and as a church, prayer is actually not an optional extra. It's the most vital in many ways thing. Uh, it's not optional to move on without it. Um, and actually seeing it as vital, seeing Jesus' words when he says, without me you can do nothing as true, is a motivation to pray. Because literally, if we don't, then we can do nothing. Nothing of value. Um, perhaps, therefore, our lack of prayer, and I guess I'm speaking to myself as well, is a sign of, of the belief that we can do something without God, or we can do it in our own strength. Because if we're not praying, then, then we're not seeking His power. Um, McLaren, Alexander McLaren, a yeah, couple, commentator from a couple of hundred years ago, said, unless a church continues steadfast in prayer, it is worth very little. But actually, the strength the power, the worth of our community is measured by our prayers. Which means that there's an invitation for us to be less confident in our plans and our abilities and put more confidence in His, to be less confident in our resources and to rely more on His, to be more aware of our weaknesses and our needs that actually drive us to seek His strength. Just like when someone's thirsty, they prioritize water. When someone's hungry, you prioritize food. If we see our need for God, we will prioritize prayer. And if we don't um, feel that need or see that need, there's actually a way to intentionally cultivate that need and that hunger uh, through the practice of fasting. And as, as we sort of mentioned before, through the 40 days of prayer, um, through Lent, lots of people fast something for that time, whether it's one thing for the whole six weeks or whether it's a couple of days or or one day fast at some point. Um, so uh, I encourage you, if you haven't before, to potentially consider engaging with some form of fasting, which is just a spiritual practice of abstaining from uh, satisfying physical hunger and, and pleasure in order to cultivate spiritual hunger, um, to abstain from physical needs and comforts in order to find comfort and strength in God. Um, Fasting sometimes just seems like a really strange thing to do, to, to not eat or just something that will just be uncomfortable and negative. But actually, it's a, it's a way of emptying ourselves in order to be filled with God. And it's important that, that it's, not just not, it's not just an abstaining thing, but it's actually an intentionally seeking and, and being filled with God. And when that happens through prayer and fasting, actually encountering God's provision and God's word, it actually, the practice of fasting is actually a form of feasting on God and His presence and His power and His love. So there's one way to actually 
cultivate that hunger and that need and prioritize and even take things out of the schedule in order to make and devote time to prayer. So as we finish this series, um, we've talked about uh, today being devoted to prayer, to breaking of bread together, to fellowship and, and shared community, and to apostles' teaching, but Bible teaching focused on Jesus. Um, these are such core things, and as, as we finish this series, it's not that we just move on from these. The, these are foundational things that we are to cultivate personally and corporately, not as optional extras, but actually as God's plan for us to grow. Actually, these are the things that keep us rooted and abiding and resting in Him. We don't move on from these. We use them to stay connected to Him and seek to grow deeper in these together. This is not where our faith starts. This is how we practice our faith. The way in to the community of devoted followers of Jesus is through faith in Jesus and repentance. As Peter preached just before this, to, to believe, to repent and believe, and then to be baptized. So the way into this community of to be, to be a devoted follower of Jesus is first to believe in Jesus and then confess Him publicly. And then as, after we've done that, we devote ourselves to these practices. But that's not about us. The, the whole focus of these practices, the whole focus of our faith is Him and what He did on the cross. Um, this is all possible, the access that we have, the, the life of heaven that we can live in, the fruit and the God can access, only possible because of Jesus' life and His death and His resurrection. The practices keep us connected to Him. He is the focus. God's the center. He's the one that grows. He's the source. Jesus is the beginning and the end, and this is all about Him. So as we finish this, this series today, and we're going to respond with communion, um, as we just remember that our uh, church community is not primarily even about what we do, but primarily about what Jesus has done, what He's finished, about who He is, about where He is on the throne, and then all that we do is about staying connected to Him, growing with Him, and seeking to be witnesses to Him um, in the world. So um, if you have something ready, we, we, we'll take communion, um, and then we're going to sing uh, one final song, and then um, you want to join us for the prayer meeting afterwards if you're able as well. Um, and yeah, I just encourage you over the next couple of days to potentially use this, this 40 days of prayer season um, as a way to cultivate prayer, to take some time to think about what could it look like over this time to devote time to prayer? What could it look like to try some form of fasting? And as a com church community, let's, let's seek to grow. We are a church that prays. Uh, let's uh, seek to be even more of a church that prays and relies and seeks God's power together. So I'm going to pray and then we'll take communion together. We just thank you so much, Lord, for your um, mercy and, and grace and how you came to us, Jesus. Um, you came to us in our sin, in our death, and you've given us new life. And thanks that you, you came to us and turned us to follow your way, um, the way of truth and, and life. And thank you for how you gave your life in, in place of ours and that you're alive from the dead. And as we remember you now and your body and your blood and your resurrection and your return, you give us grace to be a community that is centered on the reality of who you are. Um, give us a grace to be a community that is actually devoted, that we seek you and, and, and know you and experience your power and your love. And, and give us grace to be a community, God, that 
that grows in prayer and teaching and fellowship in breaking of bread. Um, we be a community that grows by your power and your spirit. We just confess afresh that we can do nothing without you, that you have saved us and you're growing us and you're uh, continuing to guard us and lead us and protect us. And, and our one need is for more of you and your presence and your spirit. And yeah, we just ask and invite you to transform us more and more to give us that life and power and presence of the early church. And, and yeah, use us for your kingdom in the earth, Lord. We just bless you and just pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.